As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Seven fifty-five is real with David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty is on the air now. Welcome back to 755 is Real. I'm David O'Brien, Braves writer at The Athletic. I'm my co-host, Eric O'Flaherty. What's up, Eric? What's up, Dave? Me, barely, man. Red Eye back from San Francisco, and then I'll go to L.A., fly to L.A. Wednesday. So, But I came home for a couple of days in the middle while they, while they go to Colorado. Just long enough to keep yourself from getting any sleep and adjusting at all, huh? Exactly. Exactly. Yep. I won't even get back to East Coast body clock, go back to L.A. <laughs> But, um, man, it was hard leaving San Francisco with that weather. It was unbelievable. It's the best time of year there. Now, end of August, early September. 70 degrees, not a cloud in the sky. It was that kind of 65 and breezy earlier in the day that it feels like 75, where you don't even need a jacket. You know, it's like 60, 65 and not a cloud in the sky and it's breezy. Oh, it's perfect. Perfect. I like that weather because it's up to you. If you feel like wearing yeah. a hoodie, you throw a hoodie on. Exactly. If you feel like wearing a t-shirt, you're good in that too. Yeah, the guys are out there working out. Some of them got on, you know, sleeves ripped off. Some of them got on their hoodies. Some got shorts. Some is a little everything. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's great, man. Um, but anyway, I thought it was a really good series for the Braves, with the exception of Colin McHugh's relief appearance. The re- but that was really the only thing that went wrong for him. I mean, even yesterday they lose that game. But Schuster, I thought, was really impressive. He's really made progress this year as yeah. a guy you could look at going forward. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's it, like we talked about this a lot, but it's about kind of getting your feet wet and getting just continually getting put in these situations until it stops feeling like a big deal. Yeah. But you can't consistently do that with guys that are making it a big deal and scuffling when you're trying to win a division. And, and I mean, they're trying to hold on to home field. So, Keep getting them out there soon enough that that kind of awe factor just uh, wears off. You get comfortable, and and then you see what guys can do. But until they get over that hurdle, and I think he's starting to, um, it's really hard to, to judge guys or gauge what they're capable of. Yeah, I don't think Dylan Dodd looked ready for it, ready for the moment and all that. But I thought, uh, except for Dodd's thing at St. Louis in his first start, obviously. But Schuster, I think, has really looked uh, – hasn't looked yeah. awed by it, like you say. And he's using that changeup a lot more. He's got a good changeup. When he mixes all his pitches, he's uh, – I think he could be solid going forward. I'm not saying it's going to be an ace or anything, but he's a, he's could be a good pitcher. Not bad when that's like your seventh guy right now, you know, to plug in there and uh, and uh, get some in. And get, he got, went pretty deep in the game, but then Colin came in and just didn't have it yesterday. You know, it's one of those days he just didn't have it. He's pitched well lately. He's really – you know, he struggled some in the middle of the season, but he's pitched well this month. Um, and the command had been good too. It had like 13 strikeouts and three walks. I think it was in the last six appearance, but yesterday just didn't have it. And unfortunately it was one of those days where Snit has this thing programmed where he's going to use these three guys. He's not going to use the others. He's going to reset, give those other guys rest, go into Colorado and LA seven games in seven days. And he's not going to use those guys. So he's stuck with mentor to get to Tonkin and then have hand closed it out. I think. My only thing was, if you're going to use Tonkin, he used him for an inning and a third. I just thought maybe he could have got 
when he brought men, when he brought uh, McHugh back out for that second inning, I thought maybe he could have gone Tonkin there. But I mean, he has yeah. his reasons for doing it the way he did it, but it just blew up in their face. It didn't work. I mean, I'd assume you're just trying to. I mean, you go to Colorado. It's like you got to go to LA after that. So yeah, there's going to be there's going to be. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be a game in Colorado, and everybody knows it. And you just hope it's not two or three, but there's going to be a game in Colorado that you you run through five or six relievers, and yeah, then maybe have to use a couple the next day. And going into uh, going into LA after that with with a beat up pen, I mean, you're just trying to do anything you can to avoid it. I don't know if many managers really think that far ahead of time, but I mean, it's, that's the type of stuff that he has to think about with every move he makes, even in San Francisco. And you could do that when you have a huge lead, but even though the home field advantage yeah. obviously is very important, but I think they 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 are really putting a lot of emphasis on that four game series at LA because that's your chance to really yeah. secure the home field advantage because you're going head to head with the Dodgers, the only team's got any chance of catching you for home field advantage. So that's, yeah. that's far more important. Um, like I said, the only thing I thought would could I would have done differently at all is if you're going to use Tonkin, use him for two and a third or two instead of one and a third, but. You know, split yep. hairs. It just didn't work. I mean, he, he walked. It was the walks. You know, that killed him. He walked the two guys back to back when he came in with two on in a one run with a one run lead. He walks in. He walks two guys, walks in the tying run, then gives up that hit that, you know, if it's two feet to the right, Olsen, Olsen stabs it. Yeah. But it goes right through for a three run double. Goes to that corner, rattles around. Yeah. It's like cleared the bases. So that was the game right there. So, but um, anyway, I thought until then, I thought the first two games they just showed they're so they're eons ahead of the uh, Giants. I mean, the Giants people were saying the same thing. Their fans, their media were all like, "This is the Giants aspire to be this someday in the not too distant future." But right now they're playing young guys, and uh, and the Braves just just outclassed them in every way. They're just really good. I mean, it's I know I know the Braves are doing something special when people around here are talking about me to them. Yeah. You know, because I grew up playing for the Mariners. So the Mariners are kind of going on a tear right now, jumping into first place. They're all the talk. And people at the gym or wherever I'm at that I run into people I know, they want to talk about the Braves. <laughs> They're like, Yeah, I mean, how are they doing that? How good is the team? You know, they want to know what I think about them. And and normally it's all Mariners around here. So Yeah. And the Mariners I mean, are right now. They're playing their asses off, but yeah. there's just no this. There's no secret to what the Braves are doing. I'm everybody around the league. I'm guessing around the country knows. Yeah, this is the team to beat. Yeah, um, yeah, and the thing, the the great thing about being back out there this time is the Giants have had a couple of years where the crowds were not what they used to be because they were just bad for a while. But they started out this season yeah. so hot with these young, exciting players. So they're getting huge crowds again, especially with the Braves there, because a lot of Braves fans as well are traveling this year. They always travel yeah. well, but this year they're Braves fans going everywhere. So those were three nearly packed houses, and it was loud there. It was it was a great atmosphere. So it's good atmosphere for the Braves. It's like there's no – that place, it feels like it's all adults. You know, it's yeah. like there's barely any kids <laughs> at, that, at that stadium. You're right. So, You're right. Yeah, you're not, there's you not little kids running around. Right. <laughs> no, so you get those little kids, and there's like this weird background noise, and they either cheering at the, the the mascot dancing or the the stuff on the scoreboard. Yeah, those adult yeah. fan bases, like it's just they are into the game and they bring it. And that's the place where the press box is the best. Matter we're so low and it's open, you know, air. The windows yeah. are all pulled up, so we're right in the crowd. I mean, like fans come up and we're talking to me, and they're in the game. Their heads are like right at the level of uh, the bottom of the press box window. Shit. Unlike it's like spring training, and we're and we're closer yeah. to the to the home plate than we are at a few spring training sites, the new spring training sites. We're that close to San Francisco. They've never oh, sold never out to the. They've never turned the press box into like club level or a club lounge like a lot of places like Houston has done. Some other places have done that, but the Giants they've they've kept us in that great location, and so man, it's something you like that kid that throws sidearm with his knuckles almost dragged the dirt. I'm sitting yep. at an angle just to the right of home plate. So when he's throwing, it's looking like the ball's coming right at me. It's like such a different perspective than we usually are up so high. That angle is tremendous. Yeah. Uh, you know, when you're that low. So, but um, I had, I had, uh, speaking of people talking about him, this old man, he must have been 85 at least. He was old, but you could tell he was a hardcore Giants fan, had all the guard, all the gear on. 
I mean, they had some fans like that there that have been there forever, you know, and uh, yep. some that came from New York <laughs> with the team. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, he uh, <laughs> he uh, he comes up. He's really polite. He comes up during the game and stops. And it was like uh, yesterday, midway through the game. You know, the Braves hit a ton of home, a lot of different guys hit home runs. And he comes up and he goes, "One question." And I said, "Yes, sir." And he went, "Where did the Braves get all these home run hitters?" <laughs> I said, "Well, they developed a lot of them. They traded for a couple of them, uh, kind of all over." But uh, he goes, "Well, yeah, that's what the Giants need." <laughs> yeah, well, hey, hey, everybody wants that. <laughs> everybody wants what the Braves have right now. And man, Ozuna kept doing what he's doing. Man, that guys—he's uh, locked in. I was—I I was talking to Seitzer about him. I said, "You would never teach anybody to hit like he does, right?" With all the movement, he goes, "No, but he's had—he's had a ton of success throughout his career doing all that, you know." And he's locked in right now. And we were talking about how his bat stays in the zone so long. And I said, "It kind of reminds me of like Brian McCann. How long Brian McCann's bat stayed in the zone?" <laughs> flat zone you don't get that many from guys today with launch angle swings and stuff yeah b-max bat i mean his swing looks slow you know yeah. it looked like, because it was in the zone so long it was just dragging through the zone uh roly banyas was like that where it yeah. never looked like they were really swinging hard like they were just lagging that thing through the zone but they're so strong i mean i actually remember a, a ball b-mac hit uh in san francisco and it just had a different set it was like a thud <laughs> but yeah. then the ball off his bat just went up, up into those uh, seats up in right field over the fence. And that was when I realized like this guy's got some insane yeah. power when he connects. Yeah. Somebody said, uh, Ozuna does too. I mean, Oh yeah. So he's strong. So he's strong, man. Strong and explosive quick bat. I mean, he's got the wrists. He's a big dude too. I mean, he's a, uh, he's, he's a, uh, he's got How kind of a, a little bit of a lineman's body with a little bit of a belly, but it's hard belly. And he's got that kind yeah, of slope. Yeah, he got that hard belly. <laughs> and that sloped back a little bit that makes it stick out more. So it looked So in the uniform, yeah. you might think he's got a beer gut. And then you see him without a shirt on, and it's that hard belly, that man belly that just looks like he could just yeah. uh, run through a wall. He's a big boy. He's about yeah. six. He's about six, two, six, three. And probably, I'm guessing, 260. You know, yeah, he's yeah, he's, he's, two, he's 250, 260. Yeah, yeah, kind of yeah. Austin Riley type thickness, but uh, yeah. Um, McHugh has been, hey, you know, who had, a, who had a belly like that? Who? Moylan, yeah, Peter had one of those, <laughs> and we we called it the instead of a boiler because you always call those boilers, the we boiler? call it the moiler. <laughs> and now he does it, now he does it, no. now he's Mr. Fitness. The yeah, yeah, um, yeah, he had his glow up. Uh, Philip Emery said McHugh's have been rough this year. Yeah, he has for him. It's he's not. He's, it's not like he's been terrible because he's had some. He's and the thing is, if you look at his numbers, there you'd go. He's having a fine year. He's three. He's like three five now, isn't it? I think even after yesterday. Yesterday kind of inflated it a little bit, but it's still not bad. Uh, he's just had some outings that you remember because they were bad. If you look, he's had an outing. Yeah. He, he, this little spell he's on right now. He's had two. It started and it's it's been kind of a hopes book ended by two, four run outings. So, and he had a couple other three run outings, whereas really that's in what's inflated his ERA by his standards. But uh, it's just not been like it was last year. That's the thing. Last year, he was so, so damn good. But by his standards, no. Yeah, definitely good. when you're a reliever, those blow up games, I mean, they're the ones that are kind of hard to forget. Yeah, he's at a four, a four, and a three. I mean, yes. Yeah. Yeah, so much of his ERA is right 11. there. But uh, it's like I was talking to. But if you look, if you look at it, he's had like he's had about thirty scoreless innings or yeah. outings at least. And Kirby Yates was saying yesterday, he goes, he goes, "No, he, he's not been as good as he was last year." He goes, "But it's not like he's been terrible." He goes, "He's had some huge outs for us, and he has. He's had some big outings." It's just that you remember yeah. the bad ones, like yesterday. You're going to remember that, and it seems like in your head that he's had a bad year, but he hasn't. So, you know, he had still. Well, the difference too. If you have if if you give up your four spot in a close game, way more memorable than when you come in and you're down Absolutely. three or four or five and get oh, you're up, up ten spot. to three. The timing, yeah, the timing of those bad outings is is what makes it memorable and. 
you know, I mean, it's, it's like being a reliever is I always say we're like air conditioners. You don't realize until it doesn't work and then it's a piece of shit. Yeah. You know, when you, when you come in and just put up that zero after zero after zero in the sixth and seventh inning, it's really easy to just kind of blend in and nobody notices you, but you come in and have that, that blow up game in a big moment. It's like, I mean, I remember my mom used to yell relievers names like, yeah. And I'd look and they, he fifth locum, like, this is a good reliever. And my mom hated that dude because it was like he had a few blowups every year that really cost him a game. And the rest of the time, you don't notice him. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, Kenny Taylor says, how likely is it that Snit is just wanting McHugh to work through it until he gets back to his best yes. before the playoffs? Definitely is going to give him that outing yesterday and give him the chance to get through it. That, 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 that became prevalent because uh, or evident because, like I said, if it was me, I would have gone to Tonkin if I'm going to use him anyway. But obviously, Snit had his reasons for not going to Tonkin earlier, letting Tonkin go two and a third instead of instead of bringing uh, uh, McCubeck out for that inning after he'd given up the the tying and go ahead runs. So I think there's something to that for sure. Eric, let's hear from today's sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Steve DeMarco said Snit needs to adjust on the fly. Well, I mean, that's uh, – I know as a fan, I understand that because you don't think that, uh, you know, you give up any game. You don't sacrifice any game as a fan. You want to win every game. You, you And you look at it as you're trying to secure home field advantage, so you want to win every game, and you don't just give up a game. But I don't think he's looking at it as he's giving up a game because I know he knows this offense is fully capable of having a four-run inning like that. So yeah. when he brought McHugh back out, it still wasn't over. They were still in it. And, he, you know, McHugh has shown many times where he can go out in a, in a situation like that and, and and all of a sudden have a, get through that inning fine. So it happened quickly. That's where, where it really went from a game they could still win to, okay, now it's getting a little bit out of hand. It happened quickly. So I think it's probably a combination of those two things. He's letting McHugh work through it. But also he's got this plan, and he knows this offense, you know, against that Giants pitching staff can do this. But uh, they didn't do it yesterday. It's just it's an art getting your relievers right. You know, I mean, if he goes out that second inning yesterday and strikes out the side, now he's riding high. You're confident in him. And everything's going good. It's just, yeah. I mean, you have to give guys these opportunities. And, you know, obviously it backfired and didn't work. But if it did work, now you're feeling good about him heading into this series in Colorado. You feel good going into L.A. You got a guy right. And it's it's all about yeah. just getting guys in and getting them right. And you have to give guys opportunities because the managers that just yank guys and then don't pitch them for a week, now this guy's sitting on a shitty outing for a week. Right. You know, you got to give guys something to feel good about and something to build off while not, you know, letting it get out of hand and um, throwing games away. But it's it's such an art, and there's so much more that goes into it than than you see on the surface. And we can't overstate the, uh, the, the next seven games. I mean, every, that yeah. was the overriding concern there. And I know people say yeah. you can't look ahead like that because Snit himself says you do. It, 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 you might say that it's, that it's uh, it kind of uh, – flies in the face of what he always talks about how you can only worry about today that's true to it to a certain extent what he's talking about is the players when they're out there the team worry about today don't worry about yesterday don't worry about the future worry about winning this game but he can't have that same mentality at all times you can't just go bringing everybody in the bullpen trying as he said chase this win yeah so 
that doesn't apply to him. And in his head, he's got this plan. He's using, he wants to use those three guys, have these re- the other guys. He knows exactly how many innings they've pitched, what their arms feel like. They've talked to all those relievers, as Eric can tell you. He knows where those guys are. He wants them to be honest. So they felt good about not using anybody else yesterday going into Denver with the plan they had in their heads. And if you'd have done what I would have done, which is bring in Tonkin, what if Tonkin comes in and has a bad inning and he can't go those two? Then you're going to have to use an extra reliever, and they were set on yeah. not using that extra reliever. So yeah, and, and and they are fortunate for them; they have about four backup closer options. Like Hand was fully capable of closing yeah. that game out if they, you know, don't know if they left him in to close it. But they might have; they very well might have. I mean, they've got a lot of guys, and depending on the matchups that they can go to, uh, I wrote about that today. I I already was going to write about the bullpen. Um, and 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 end up the cube kind of shit on that, but but I but I still wrote about them because they've been so good. I mean they they still have the NL's best bullpen ERA, second best in the majors, whether people realize that or not. This is a damn good bullpen, and it got better at the trade deadline with the additions that they made. I mean Pierce Johnson and Brad Hand, Pierce Johnson especially has been tremendous. Brad Hand gives them that second lefty because Dylan Lee's Dylan Lee's still trying to come back. Uh, he's doing well in his rehab, by the way, getting closer and closer, but he's been out so long. You can't just, you can't think that he's going to come back and be able to go as back-to-back games and all that. So it was really big to get Brad hand, I think. But, um, you know, the bullpen is, is I was looking at it yesterday. It's like eight deep right now, really with like six guys that you're, you're fully comfortable using in high leverage situations. And not many teams can say that. It's like, uh, Tonkin said, no, we don't have that star power. Like when I'm out there getting outs, it's not, you know, it's not all sexy as star yeah. power, but we get outs and they do, you know, they do. They get, they've got yeah. so many guys like, you know, your mentors and your Pierce Johnsons, damn good relievers that maybe you don't think of as the very, very best, in, but they are. A mentor has been one of the best lefties the last few years. Iglesias right now is, is an elite closer. Yeah. He's been. Uh, <laughs> His ch- his changeups underrated, but he's been. I mean, he scuffled a little bit early on, but the last couple months, it's been sixteen straight saves. It's been almost unhittable. Converted, yeah, yeah. He's got yeah. like a 05 or 06 ERA last twenty two outings, something like that. Yeah, he's been back to what he was last year when they got him at trade deadline. It was the setup guy. Um, what was it? Somebody asked, "Am I going to be uh, in Denver?" No, I came back. Because uh, I'd set this up earlier, was only going to go to LA. I added to San Francisco, but uh, I came back. I'm gonna, then I'll be going back to LA for the four for the four game series. So, but not for the entire, not for the entirety of this thing. No, um, we got a budget, man. We got a budget now at the uh, at the athletic. So we're doing the best we can do. Uh, let's see. Oh. So yesterday they went into that game with an 84 and 44 record. The Braves that matched the franchise best to 106 and or no, not the 106 to 128 games by the 106 win 1998 team. That team, that team was 84 and 44. So they were the same as them before, before losing Sunday. So, but I looked it up that in uh, 1998, that 84th win started a four game winning streak. The four games were won by Smoltz, Nagel, Maddox, Glavin. And God, it's, it's it's crazy to be competing with that. And the last three of those were a sweep of the Dodgers. Pretty pretty solid. Smoltz, Nagel, Maddox, and Glavin. So then, after they sweep the Dodgers at home, the that four game winning streak ended with a loss at Houston against the Astros' ace, Mike Hampton. <laughs> Oh, happy going back to the Houston days. Um, he was a stud. He was a stud. MVP race. I don't know if you saw, I wrote about the MVP race being a four-man battle, basically, it looks like right now. It's kind of, that's what it, with Olsen's home runs and RBIs have moved him into that top four, probably. Yeah. Uh, the only place he doesn't is like an F4 war. He's not up there because of first base and all that, and, you know, he doesn't run bases and all that. But he's going to, I think, in the voters' eyes, He's having a kind of season that 10, 15 years ago would have won MVP. Home runs, RBIs. It would have won it. Yeah. 
but now so yeah. many other so many analytics and those more sophisticated stats than counting stats are play into it. So now I think it's clearly it, it was it was it was Acuna's uh, award. Nobody was even close at yeah. the All Star break. It was hands down. He was the winner because he was leading the majors in WAR even, but all the other stuff was like. The home runs and our uh, home runs and stolen bases. He's going to do things nobody's ever done. He already has. Um, but uh, Mookie Betts, don't fool yourself if you think it's still Acuna's slam dunk because it's not. Mookie Betts has moved up, and in the eyes of a lot of people, surpassed him because of the WAR. Mookie is such a monster with the WAR because he's a damn good defensive player in the infield, middle infield, and in the outfield. Runs bases great. Doesn't have the stolen bases Acuna does, but on the analytics on stolen base uh, running, base running, he's tremendous. Uh, and then obviously the, the hitting, he yeah, he, yeah, he he does he hits for average on base uh, power. So he's he's moved up there and passed uh, well into the lead in WAR. And uh, I think it's a two man race now between him and uh, him and Acuna. But uh, also, don't look past Freddie because Freddie is doing Freddie things, man. It's uh, uh, all four of these guys. Freddie's up above Acuna and War now, too. Yes, all four of those guys in a typical year could have won MVP. All four of them with those seasons that they're having. Yeah, especially Acuna and Mookie with what they're doing. But Freddie, though, man, Freddie has done it quietly, if that's possible. Doing being Freddie Freeman playing for the Dodgers to do anything quietly. He has just crept up there, and look at his numbers now, and it's like, wow. He, uh, I think he just set the doubles record for the he Dodgers. He did. He got two yesterday, gave him 50. He's already got more doubles, 50, than he had last season when he led the majors with 47. He's already got more signing September yet. He's leading the majors again in doubles. He's led the majors. He led the majors in hits and doubles last year. He's leading the majors in both categories again this year. Uh, yeah, he's got 50 doubles, broke the Dodgers franchise record. They've had a few hit good hitters for the Dodgers, you guys might be aware of. Um, leads the majors, Freddie does, with a 417 on-base percentage now. 417. After leading the NL at 407 last year, Freddie leads the NL with 298 total bases this season. He's got a 998 OPS and a 167 OPS plus. That would be Freddie's highest in a full season, topped only by the 1102 and 187 OPS plus he had in the shortened 2020 season when he won his MVP award. So that's the kind of season he's having. Um, I think he's going to be four. I think he's going to be that he's going to get his fourth top four MVP finish in a span of six years and his sixth straight top 10 finish. That's a slam dunk. But I think he's going to get his fourth top four. They yeah, should. I mean, <laughs> it, it's crazy looking at these two teams, though, that are duking it out, and they both have two guys in their lineup, in the heart of their lineup. That yeah, are that MVP just driving it, driving it. Yeah, Mookie, Mookie and Freddie at the top of that order, man, That they're just pivotal. The Dodgers lose one of those guys and forget it. Those guys are so important to them. Um, it's hard to even pick, you know, if you had to pick a pair, I mean – I think you got to take the Braves because they're younger, but if you're yeah. building, but that is, I mean, that's as close as it gets. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's top four too. And not just the NL, but with the exception of Otani, they would be, if you had, if you had a uh, major league MVP, they'd be there. Otani's the only yeah. one that we even break it up. Um, Acuna is not the lock to win it anymore. And it's not because it's not like he's slumped. But it's just cooled off. Yeah, something. that's what he I thought when you said it was. He was on when fire. you said it's his to lose. I'm like, I don't think he really lost it. You know, these guys just went off and kind of caught up. But yeah, yeah, and and war is an analytic that's weighed heavily by most of the younger voters because there's two of us voters from every city. We get a, we get assigned to one of the BBWA awards. I'm MVP this year. There's two from each NL city. Some of those are young guys. Some of them are older guys like me. But the younger guys, and I do too now, I've changed in the last few years, and I use war a lot. But the younger guys, a lot of them just line up the wars and go from there. 
with and make exceptions yeah. for guys like a you know an Olsen with his home runs and RBIs, but they let war be the first factor they look at. The first. Yeah. So you can't discount it. Don't dismiss it. You're lying to yourself if you don't think it's important because it is. It's really important with voters. Um, well, and a guy like you that's been around a long time when you're weighing it too, you know, I mean, it's not like it's yeah. just the young guys that value it. Yeah, I'm not just lining them up and going by that because I think war can be skewed still by defense because some guys just don't get the credit they should get defensively. Uh, I think Matt Olson's a lot better credit and gets get a lot more credit than he gets for uh, defensive war. Um, and some other first baseman as well. Freddie was like that for years. Didn't get ready. Yeah. But, yeah. But, uh, and, and it can skew, I think a little bit more heavily in some areas than it should, but uh, it's a good stat. It's a great stat. And it's getting better all the time. They keep honing it, refining it. But, uh, but uh, right now bets has opened up in F war. At least I didn't look at regular or uh, baseball reference war, but F war bets is up to 7.3. It's gotten to a lead to 6.6, and the 6.6 is not Acuna. It's Freddie. So the mm-hmm. two Dodgers are up. Are first and second. Um, Acuna, I, when I looked at it, Acuna didn't score a lot of points on defense. Right. Where, where right. Mookie did. And I think that's and I think that's not fair either because I don't think they're giving Acuna nearly enough defensive credit because I've watched the guy this year, and his defense has been strong. And I, and I, like I was talking to a couple of the Giants about this MVP race, and uh, like Brandon Crawford said, yeah, you don't even test his arm. You know better. He said Acuna is doing Which is huge. Yeah. He said, you do not run on his arm, man. He's dangerous out there. So that's not how he's viewed by the players uh, as suspect or whatever defensively. He's made so many of those. It's like become his catch where he runs into the right center gap. He's running full full stride, jumps, and makes that catch like that, which is not an easy catch to make. And he's made some big ones. He's made a huge one in San Francisco. And he hasn't dropped one of those this year. I mean, he's he's solid. He's real solid. That gets to a lot. That's another thing that's not going to pop up in the you, – you can't score points if nobody will run on you, you know? Like, you get a fly ball onto the gap in right center, and there's a runner on second, and they don't even think about going. Yeah, I mean, th- th- I don't think that scores any points. But they probably don't mark it up like, well, they would have tagged on 85% of right fielders there, but the guy stayed there. Yeah. You know, you don't get you, – you can't really score points with an arm nobody will test. So Betts is seven three. Uh, Acuna's third at six point two. So it's going to be. He's not going to catch. He's not going to catch him in the last month. I wouldn't think because Betts is only moving. He's a hot right now. He's he's uh, he's. If anything, it probably stretched that lead a little bit. But um, to to what I was talking about with Acuna on, he's not slumping, but he's just not otherworldly like like he was. Last twenty games. He's hit 265, six extra base hits, three homers, seven RBIs, and, and two of those three homers win the first, like, five of those games. He's only had one lately in the last 12, 15 games. Um, three homers, seven RBIs. This is 20 games. Six steals, 422 slugging percentage, 773 OPS. Okay, first 109 games before that. He had 343, 55 extra base hits, including 25 homers. 67 RBIs, 53 stolen bases, 589 slugging, and a 11 or 1014 OPS. So you're talking 1014 OPS for the first 109 games, 773 OPS in the last 20. So that that that's where that's why he's kind of opened the door for those others to move up. That's a big and, difference. Yeah. And Freddie and Betts have been on fire in that same period. That's what that's what's happened. That's why they pulled away in war because yeah. they they both been on fire. So anyway, he's uh, he's he's third with six point two war. Then it's a drop to fourth, which is Francisco Lindor's five point two, Corbin Carroll's four point nine, and Matt Olson is sixth, four point seven. But like I said, I think Olson's league leading forty three homers, even though right now he's got the long longest drought of the season at 50 uh, plate appearances without a homer. It still leads the league with 43 homers. He's still on pace to break the franchise record. He hadn't hit one in 50 plate appearances. He went to the wall. Well, he was right there with, he was right there with judges pace for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And he still might lead the majors because Shohei, you don't know what's going to happen to him the rest of the year. So he's the only other guy that could threaten him. But, uh, um, he had one of the wall in San Francisco that I thought was out. The wind was really swirly there. You didn't know what it was going to do. If it was helping or hurting balls. Um, 
Majors leading 112 RBIs. That's got to figure heavily. I, I mean, I know that's an old school stat, but still, that's a lot of RBIs. And and uh, nobody else has 100, you know. It's not September yet. He could finish with 140 RBIs if he gets hot again. Yeah. 135 yeah. at least. He's going to break franchise record if he does that. Eddie Matthews' record. Um, and, and you know what the thing that's really encouraging about Olsen is? He has crushed balls with runners in scoring position, which he didn't do early in the year, last yeah. year all the time. Um, he's t- capitalized on those opportunities, which that's what you want from your cleanup guy, man. He's been ideal in that spot. And he's had so many opportunities because with Harris batting ninth and Acuna batting first, Ozzy was second for most of the season. There's always one or two yeah. guys on base when he hits, but he's making yeah. the most of it. It's not like he's just, uh, I was compared by comparison. I was looking at this. If Andrew D- Jones had done anything close to what Olsen has done with runners in scoring position. I mean, even close in, in 2005, when Andrew hit 51 homers, Andrew had 121 RBIs. If he would have done anything close to what Olsen's doing, he would add 150 RBIs that year easily, easily. Mm-hmm. People don't realize because that year Pujols beat Andrew for our MVP and it was close. But Andrew that year hit 207 with a 721 OPS in 230 plate appearances with runners in scoring position. 230? 230. That's leaving a lot of guys out there. Uh, and he still had 121 RBIs. It'd be interesting way, to go back and look at the war from back then because it probably didn't matter, but he was playing center field. And playing it like nobody else. That was when he was yeah. still – yeah. Yeah, he was uh, – but uh, – and still had 121 RBIs, which I, the thing that surprised me more than anything I learned during the weekend, I should have known this because I thought I knew Chipper Jones' stats by heart. But when Matt Olson got his 112th RBI with that two-RBI game the other day, Matt Olson beat his own career high of 111. He also beat Chipper Jones' career high. It's not September. Matt Olson's got 112. Chipper never had 100, over 111. He had like he had and nine. I always thought Chipper is clutch, and he was, but they just didn't have yeah. the kind of guys on base that he did. But uh, he had nine hundred RBI seasons, but they were all a hundred to hundred and eleven. He had two hundred eleven seasons. Mister Consistency. Yeah, who's hitting behind him? You know, I mean, how many times the Chipper just we're not going to let? That's our. He's not yeah. beating us, guy. Absolutely, absolutely. It wasn't like this team. This team with what Olsen's got behind him, they can't well intentionally walk Olsen. It has happened, but not very often. Yeah, yeah. it's a different game. If Chipper yeah. had, you don't just have one guy behind him; you got four more. <laughs> dude, if Chipper had hit in the middle of this order, Chipper had 130 to 40 <laughs> RBIs for <laughs> no doubt, no doubt, and, and 45 to 50 homers. If he was in this order, oh yeah. my god, yeah, switch hitting in yeah. the middle of this order. Um. But uh, so so anyway, Andrew that year. So this year, Olson, Olson is hitting 328 with a majors leading 1235 OPS in 156 plate appearances with runners in scoring position. 1235. The second, second and fourth best OPS, by the way, with runners in scoring position in the majors. Betts 1157, Freddie 1105. I mean, they're driving that Dodgers engine, man. Those two guys are just generating so much offense. Betts and Freddie are hitting 392 and 391 with runners in scoring position, and that's in 153 and 134 plate appearances each. Betts has 23 walks. He's only struck out eight times in those plate appearances with runners in scoring position, so he's got a 500 OBP with runners in scoring position. It's going to be a race. Yeah. Somebody yeah. somebody's either if Acuna gets hot in September, I think he gets it. But yeah, I, don't, I mean it's one of those paces that these other two guys are on. You're like, they gotta they gotta slow down too. You know what I think the key for Acuna could be if he started hitting home runs again, because he's cooled off in that regard. Uh, if he gets to 40, there's it's there's no yeah. If he goes like 40, 75, that's gonna sway some voters, I think. You Come know, on. If, yeah. That because he's already doing historic things as far as the homers RBI combination, but uh um, but I ask a mentor though, 
I was asking him about the four-man race, and he goes, it's just a shame they're doing it when all four of those guys are having MVP-type years. He goes, I hope one of us wins it, talking about the Braves. But he said, uh, I asked him about Betts and Freddie, do you appreciate it a pitcher, as a pitcher what they do for those Dodgers? And he goes, I mean, that's probably the best one-two spot in the whole major leagues is Mookie Fre- Freeman. He said, that's not to take away from anyone else. But those two guys, he says, you got Mookie with speed on the base pass. You got Freddie who's just going to go up there, and he's not trying to hit a home run. He's trying to get him over and do a job, just smart baseball. Yeah. So whenever you got guys like that, it definitely puts pressure on you to come in and make sure you get an out with Mookie leading off because they can change the game at any point by hitting a home run. But you can't walk. You can't walk him because you don't want him on the base pass. But you can't throw him a good pitch because he can hit it out of the ballpark. So it's tough. Yeah, <laughs> Freddie's one of the last guys I want to face with the game on the line. Yeah, yeah. He's, uh, but just uh, and and not to not to criticize Andrew's year because it was phenomenal that year. Is the home runs, but but uh, just how much the game's changed and what this lineup's doing and all that. And who knows? The ballparks are different. The balls could be different. But Matt Olson's slugging percentage with runners in scoring position is 773. That's higher than Andrew's OPS was with runners in scoring position. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. That was, I mean, that year, Andrew, people didn't realize because a lot of people thought Andrew got screwed when Pools won it, that he won on a rep and all that. Pools had a huge year, huge year, too. But the whole thing was Andrew, if he had just had 10 more hits with runners in scoring position, he would have been undeniable for MVP because the RBIs would have been so huge. Guys, let's take a quick break, and then we'll finish up the show. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Yeah, that MVP story that I did, I, I, I love the quotes. Uh, uh, Brandon Crawford and Pollock were both really good talking to me about those guys. Those are good dudes, man. I went over there. I was kind of surprised at how, how willing they were to, to go on kind of at length about those guys. You like talking to those guys that have been around for a long time. And like Pollock yeah. played with Bess for a couple of years, played with Freddie for one spring and, and before he got traded for, for our boy. Craig Kimbrell on uh, like opening day to the White Sox. Um, but uh, talking to Pollock about him, Pollock was saying, I'll get the exact quote because I thought it was really good. He was, t- he was comparing, uh, or he was talking about Mookie. And then I had him ask him about Cunha. Uh, he said, uh, Pollock was talking about Freddie and Mookie, and he said, I can only speak for Mookie because I've only played with him. I played with Freddie for about a month in spring training, but watching him and how consistent he is as a hitter, I don't exactly know what his numbers are right now, but I think it's more impressive that he's always a candidate for MVP. I think that's the most impressive thing. He said, Mookie's a stud, does it both ways. He's got the ability to just turn it on every aspect of the game. I've seen that. I was there. I've witnessed it firsthand, and it's pretty impressive. There's not many people that can touch the game in every single facet like he does. Uh, and he said, uh, he said, I think with Mookie, the most impressive thing about him was, I mean, I got to witness it every day. If you went to a showcase, he'll be one of the top players, but his most impressive thing is when you just watch him every day, the consistency, there's not just one tool that's going to be like, Oh my gosh, that's freakish, but put it all together. It's just super special. And just how consistently you see that play out every day in the game. That's what impressed me the most about him. So after he said that about him, I said, I said, and Acuna from afar coming back from the injury and all that, you know, compared to Mookie, because he said Mookie didn't have like one tool that was freakish. I said, what about Acuna? And he goes, freakish. Yeah. <laughs> he said, the ability is freakish. I've been through injuries, and that's the whole different ball game to test the, the kind of resiliency you have. 
just seeing him come back and not miss a beat, it shows the kind of mindset he's got too. Yeah. Yeah. Mookie. I mean, he was in the home run derby and I was like, okay, you know, he's not going to hit any balls 500 feet, but he'll just pepper him out 375, 410, somewhere in there. But he's just so consistent and he has such good at bats. And what I was really curious, and I didn't know how he would answer this either. I said, like, look, watching Acuna, a lot of us fans and media members, you know, we're like jaw, you know, your jaw drops sometimes of what he can do. Does he wow other players that same way? Do you look at him and go, he's different? And he was honest. He goes, oh, yeah. He goes, probably more so with players because we know exactly how hard it is to do certain things and how uncomfortable it is for an opposing team watching him in the box with the amount of pressure he puts on the other team. I mean, there's only a couple of guys that give you that feeling in the game, and he's one of them. That was pretty good phrase. Well, like that, but I see stuff that I don't know if it gets picked up on too, but I see it. I saw him out on his front foot in San Francisco. Yeah. Out on his front foot, not hitting a good pitch. He hit it 106 in the gap and gets a triple. And if they didn't get that ball in quick, he was going inside the park. But just watching him go first to third on that play after hitting the – there's not a lot of guys that can hit that ball like that, that hard, and then running as fast as he can. And yeah. I mean, the the combination of speed and power that he has, I mean, I think the only guy that wows you like like he does on that level is Otani in the game. Right, right. Um, and I asked Crawford the same question about Acuna. Does he wow you? Does other players see him like, you know, the, uh, the outsiders do? And he said – yeah, you see a guy like him. This is Brandon Crawford. He said, you see a guy like him who can hit the ball out of the park, but at the same time can hit a single and steal a couple of bases. And then from what I've seen, he plays good defense. You don't ever really want to test him with his arm. So, yeah, he definitely – you can see that and appreciate it. Yeah, so, and he's and he's, he's having good at-bats this year. Really you know, it's bats. not – I mean, really that's, I think that's been the game changer. He's been willing to take a, a walk, and he's been willing to take that single the other way. The, and those singles he hits the other way – you think he just fillets the ball to right field and then they put the exit velocity up there and it's 107. Yeah. And he didn't get all of it. So much better, a more uh, professional hitter, to use yeah. the phrase, the this year than he was in the past when he, you know, his immense talent was enough to make him fearsome. But now, yeah, he's working at bats. He's not up there just uh, – he's still hacking at that first pitch of the game if it's even close. But yeah. it's just different. He'll take his walks now. He's not striking out a ton. But, I mean, he's – to be this in the first full season after that, it just makes you wonder how good is he going to be? Because now I think again, again, because coming off the injury, you didn't know that last year. It just wasn't himself. You know, he showed flashes, but he struggled. So you wonder, okay, is he ever going to fully realize that potential we thought he once had? Now I'm back on like, it, that, forget the knee injury. He's back to where he was or better, you know, yeah. in 21. So I think the ceiling is still, I think he's still got a lot of room to grow. I mean, it's going to be, I think he's yeah. going to be the best player in the game. If he's not already, yeah. I think he's going to be. I mean, you, yeah. you, it's hard to say he's better than Otani, they, but they're just so different players. Otani doesn't count in any conversation. Right, because the pitching element. It just makes yeah. – yeah. But I think uh, Acuna, I really do think he could be uh, the trout of this this generation. This, I guess they're the same generation, but you know what I mean, the best of the young current players. Um, Where there's no debate, you know. I mean, it, it, that, that's the thing that hurt him the most with that knee injury is that it, it cost him a year of learning. Yeah, you know, I mean, yeah. you're seeing it, he had to hit at not 100 percent last year, and that was great for him. And you're seeing that translate into this season, where for me, when I see him take those singles, yeah, borderline pitches away, you know, and he just flips a single to right field, just as a pitcher knowing he's willing to do that. Now you get late in the at bat, and you know it's like slider away might not be safe because it's yeah. not just a, it's not Miguel Cabrera taking that single to right because he'll steal second and third. Yeah. So it's exactly. almost a double, you know? So now it's like, I got to pitch him. You have to mix it up. It just puts so much more pressure on you. Any hitter that'll take that single, but with hit the combination of his speed. Yeah. You can't walk him. I mean, there's, and, I wouldn't rather have anybody else. And you know, what's crazy is he has like, you'll have a day game after a night game and he'll get on first base and you think, okay, today he's probably, he's got to be tired. He's not going to be ready to go. He is always energized, and he is always looking to take that base. Here we are in August. A lot of guys are starting to be like, oh, let's get to September. Maybe we'll get going again. He's the same guy every day. He's out there. He's just yeah. a 
like the energy level like Ozzy has when he's on the field. I mean, Acuna is always looking to take the extra base, push the envelope at all times. The dude's relentless. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, that's that young energy, but there's plenty of young players. I mean, I, I think of Hanley Ramirez a lot. You know, like what if he played like Acuna? Absolutely. Yeah. You yeah. know, I mean, I think of guys like that, that, that even in their young ages, don't bring it like he does. I mean, some, some guys that are idiots, some guys that are lazy, some guys that party too hard, some guys that, you know, they just take it, they, they, they take for granted their talent. Acuna is none of those things, man. You might not yeah. like what he does on the field. So what? It don't matter. Yeah. As long as you're yeah. playing the game hard, the, the way he plays, playing the right way. I don't care if he does cartwheels on the field, you know? Yeah. I don't care. He is yeah. a treat to watch, and everybody yeah. appreciates it. Yeah. I mean, it's even if you don't want to like him, <laughs> you watch the shit he does. And it's just hard not you, to like him, though. It really yeah. is. You know, he's just such an enjoyable player to watch. It's kind of like it's kind of like uh, uh, when Michael Jordan was playing. Even if you were on the opposing team and you hated him because he beat your team, you had to appreciate him. You have you to, to. You know? Or, or like Dr. J. You know, yeah. there's certain guys that uh, you just you like, whether they're you don't want to beat your team, but they're so fun to watch. He is and so fun. fun to watch. And it's hard to be it's hard to, in baseball to be a fun player to watch like it is in basketball or even yeah. like a running back, a, a, a really a flamboyant running back with the cuts, you know, like like Barry Sanders. It's Barry hard to Sanders. do that same yep. thing in baseball. He does it in baseball. He finds a way to do three or four things in a game that are fun to watch that are like, Whoa, most guys can't do that. Yeah. And it's not just one thing, you know, it's not just in the box. It's not, I mean, it's on the base pass. It's in the field. I mean, there's just, there, you can't take your eyes off him. You yeah. know, I mean, you can't, you have to watch the whole game because he might do something at any moment. He might, he might host somebody from right field throwing a ball 105. Yeah. You know, he might steal second and third. He might hit a ball 500 feet. He might hit. He might hit a front foot uh, triple. You know, into the gap. It's, exactly. He can do anything at any moment. That if you appreciate the game, you can't look past it. And even like Pollock said of his teammate Betts, Betts has that doesn't do that. You have to see him play every day to appreciate. It. I think Trout's the yeah. same way. I don't think yeah. Trout does things on the field that like three or four times in a game you're like, whoa, it's fun to watch. He's just a machine when he's yeah. he's unbelievable. He's so strong and he used to be so fast. But he didn't yeah. do the things that Acuna does. There's a difference. That yeah. is just as well, great I mean, like player, a, but not the, as fun to watch on top of being great. Like Vince Carter, you know, he might jump over somebody. That's the feeling you have with Acuna at all times. Right. He might Jordan do something is, I've to me seen is, before. Jordan, to me, is the guy because he's not only the greatest player of all time, but he was the most fun to watch, you know? Yeah. Yep. So, anyway, yep. I mean, LeBron's not the most fun to watch. As great as he is, he's not the most fun to watch. He's a bull yeah. in there, you know. He's with yeah. power. Jordan yeah. was fun to watch. <laughs> anyway, electric. Uh, uh, I was uh, big, quick. This is important. Uh, I didn't even mention uh, the 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 health update. Your second baseman, I think, is going to be activated for uh, the Rocky series. It wouldn't surprise me if it happens today. It's early out there, so I haven't seen it yet. Ozzy. Looked really good yesterday. He worked out with the team every day. I mean, you wouldn't even know he wasn't in the game because he had his, he had his, all his workout gear before the game, doing all the same stuff. And he was doing full-on sprints yesterday, uh, yet in the morning yesterday or in the early afternoon before the game. You'd never known he had a hamstring injury. He was flying. And the guys all gave him the kind of a mocking standing O, washing all those guys when he was because they were over there doing their drills, and he came over and he was giving shit to them just back. Same Ozzy. He's ready. Uh, that, yep. that The hamstring. They've – they are just so fortunate that, like they did with a couple of guys earlier on, like with Max, they were able to take the slow, slow, slow walk this back to where there's no chance he's going to re-injure that thing. I mean, if he does, it'll be just like he injured again, but it's not going to be related to the previous one because he's running full speed yesterday, no sign whatsoever of any problems, and he's doing all the other stuff too, the cutting drills, you know, horizontal moving horizontally, everything. So. I would expect him to be back there. In the meantime, Lopez has done a hell of a job filling in, man. He's got like 10 RBIs in his first 13 games, played great defense. Grissom yeah. had a big hit in the game he started. So pretty nice to be able to fill in for a guy like Ozzy and not even really skip a beat. 
Yeah, it's almost beneficial to get a look at Lopez, you know. I mean, yeah, I mean, more games. And give, these are the type of things, too, that happen that they turn into blessings. You know, it's when you can kind of sneak into a little minor injury that gives you that breather. It can help yeah. you in the playoffs. I mean, that's what, for me personally, that's what saved me in 2011. You know, Johnny and Craig struggled in September. I had a great September because I had had two 10-day breaks with my back. Yeah. For it's like, you know, it's unfortunate to be out. You don't want to be out, but it's a manageable injury that team gets to give you a chance to have a blow. And, you know, you wind up finishing the season fresh. It's one of those things that might actually pay off for Ozzy. Yeah. And, and you're right because they are uh, the kind of the catch 22 of having every infielder play every game is Nicky Lopez wasn't going to play unless you're going to tell yeah. one of those guys and you weren't going to have Riley Olsen. Uh, or Ozzy, who had played Ozzy before this injury, had played every single day. You get this far in the season, you're not going to tell one of those guys, "Okay, we're going to rest you today." It's like, no, man, I played yeah. 130. I'm going to play all 162 now. So you're yeah. kind of committed to it now. So this is the only way Lopez was going to get much playing time at all. So he's really got yeah. a chance to go in there and play. And you feel yeah. much better sticking him in, say, a postseason game if somebody gets hurt, rather than you would have if he only played one time in three weeks. Yeah, I mean, it's it's these you don't get a chance to look at them otherwise. Yeah, yeah, it's, um, it's, and it, you don't want him to go into September, you know, end of September, going to the postseason, and he hasn't even been on the field for nine innings yet. Kyle Wright's rehab start could not have gone any better. First one, twenty three strikes and twenty six pitches, three ups. He came out after three innings, I'm sure, because it was only they only wanted him to go three ups. You know, probably threw some more in the bullpen. Um, his next one, if it goes like that, I think we could see him, you know, after three starts, if depending on where yeah. they are. Uh, somebody asked, is he going to go to the bullpen? That's that's not the plan right now, but I'm sure they've talked about that, even though they haven't conceded it. I think it just depends on where your top three or four starters are when you get near the postseason. You know, he's going to get chances yeah. to make a couple of starts. And if he if he's dominant in his starts, you know, in the big leagues, then sure, you're going to be in, the, in one of the four guys in a rotation. Uh, you know, or, or, or you have to at least consider him. Um, I think you're you're locked in. I think with uh, with Freed Strider and and Charlie, but depends yeah. on kind of what Bryson and Wright do from here on out for that fourth spot. Yeah, I mean, I definitely consider him. You've already seen him be a game changer in the playoffs. Absolutely, so, man. I mean, five innings of him. I mean, if, if he's not all the way built up, whatever it is, five innings. I mean, half the time you yank your starter in the fifth anyway in the postseason because you got all these extra off days and the, the third time yeah. through the order stuff. But yeah, exactly. I mean, you get to, you, you get to a point where he looks sharp and he's built up enough to give you four five, six innings. I'm, I'm just looking at how he's throwing. If, if he looks good, I want him. And did you see the breaking ball. Did you see the video of it? Yeah. The breaking ball looks good. That was yeah. sharp, man. I don't care who he's facing. That was sharp. Um, last thing. I was talking to Ozuna yesterday after the game. And he had this, uh, he was talking about where he, I said, you know, I asked him how he's feeling and all that. And he's, uh, uh, for, oh, first of all, he had something great to say. I asked him about the bullpen. I said, the bullpen's pretty been pretty damn good for you guys this year. So you kind of, it, it makes it game like this. You're like, hey, you know, they picked us up and all that. And he goes, we play every time together. If we lose, we lose together. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, a game like that, you just have to tip your cap and say, you guys want it. He was talking about. You know, we came back, got it within a run, and then they added some more runs and all that. So, uh, but whether he's back to top form, you know, like 2020, and he said, I feel I'm getting, I'm closer. I'm not 100%, but I'll be able to, maybe the playoffs, something like that. Just keep it quiet, come in every day with the same energy and give you my best working harder. <laughs> when you hear those things from players, do you have a bullshit radar, you know, <laughs> oh, yeah. where you can be like, you're you're like all right. He doesn't really mean this, and then you could tell the dudes that th- yeah, you that's can tell not, the guys. He's not just yeah, yeah. You can tell the guys that mean it. Yeah, I thought he meant it. Yeah, I, I, I love it when it's. That's what I mean, though. It's like when you hear guys say it. There's a certain tone of the way they say it, where it's like, all right, I'm talking to the media. This is what I'm. Supposed oh yeah, to yeah, say. yeah. I'm supposed to say we lose, and, we win together, we lose together. And then yeah. you got your guys where you know they truly believe that. You have yeah. the same thing as a teammate. You know, you have guys yeah. that you're like, damn, this dude's a dog. He's got my back no matter what. Yeah. And you want to ball out for those guys. Then you have other guys that 
they're saying it, but they're also yeah. super fucking selfish. And yeah. you see how they go about the rest of their business. And then, <laughs> you know, throw, throw you guys one of those quotes. I, I've always found that really interesting, but I love the dudes that would say stuff like when we lose together, we lose together. There's a hundred percent certainty that they mean that. And that's how they, that's how they are in the clubhouse every day. The last thing I thought Max Fried's quotes after his start, Max Fried is not there yet. And he's, but he, and he had conceded as much, but it's like he made a great point, and, and others have made a great point too. Is he came back, and these other guys are at full stride. They've worked through their issues. The other guys are pitching well. He missed three months. He came back. He's basically yeah. in what would be late spring training for him, you know, because he missed three yeah. months. He was starting again, but he didn't make any excuses, man. He said on this start, this progress. He said after the one Saturday, he said it's getting better. Definitely feel like, and he wasn't happy. He wasn't like smiling. He says getting, definitely feel like it's time where I need to start getting better, giving up less walks, less hard contact, definitely. I'm not happy about giving up that homer Saturday, especially to give up the lead. But the guys did an unbelievable job battling and fighting back. I was just happy to be able to hold it and then hand it off to the bullpen. Um, he said normally a normal season for him. He said, I feel like I kind of feel things out the first couple of months, just not really clicking. I tend to do well in the second half. But I don't really have that time right now. So I need to get it into that right. second half gear and know that September is right around the corner. I've got to go out. I've got to get going and, and and hold myself to a little different, higher standard. Just be able to go out there and know that it's time to win baseball games and not feel things out anymore. Um, and then the last. Well, that's what's tough. Yeah. You know, everybody's everybody's in feel things out mode. You know, you that's kind of the comparison that gets made. Like this is his spring training right now, or he, he's so far behind. It's like spring training, but the difference is in spring training in April. Yeah. Everybody else is doing that same mode. Now yeah. you're, you come into August and everybody's so far ahead because they figured out what they came in, the bad habits they came into, you know, there's guys in slumps, but pretty much everybody's already done their figuring out. They knew yeah. who, they know who they are, where they want to be this year, but you're coming back and it's, you don't have that, that you don't get any of those easy outs. So this guy's lost too, you know? Yeah, so it's it's a lot harder to get a late start in August than it is in April. Absolutely, and the, and the hitters. I mean, teams have got their hitters going, and the new got the young guys on other teams are all you know feel, have figured things out now. And yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I asked him about the rotation. How does he feel about the rotation with Spencer being so dominant lately, and Charlie really coming or turning his season around? And uh, and Free said, I think we're doing they're they're doing an unbelievable job. We had a little bit of a rough go one time through the rotation, but these guys have been unbelievable all year. Even add Bryson to that. He's had some really great outings. He's really kind of turned it around. I'm trying to do my best to keep up or to kind of keep up with them right now. They're right in the swing. They're in the swing of the season. They've got a lot of innings under their belt. And right now I'm trying to do my best and keep up with them. So. I mean, it's insane to think they've had this whole season with basically no right and no free. I know. I know. When those guys went down, you know, you're trying to figure out how they're going to get through this until they come back. And now you think it's possible. It's like, I thought they were cooked yeah. when they lost both of those guys, you know, a couple of weeks or what, five starts into the season. I thought they were just no way. Then they just scored 10 runs a game and it didn't yeah. matter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But the good thing is he's got what, five starts left at least. Yeah. Depending on how much rest they give him, that's plenty of time for Max to figure it out. He's he's showing it for flashes, and that first start back and then and in uh, Chicago, he looked like peak Max Freed, but kind of lulled us there. We thought, oh, he's there. He ain't going to need a transition period. So, yeah. but it's there. Obviously, the stuff's there. What he's doing now, like what he's doing now, is what you normally expect a guy that missed that much time to do. Right, and you kind of find it, feel for it, see what you know my habits are this year, see what my see what I'm doing right, see what pitch I might need to kind of tweak a little bit. But when yeah. he first came back, it's like, oh, shit, this dude's on another level. I mean, right. if he came back like that, I would think he was a god because almost everybody has this period. If you throw out that start in Chicago, it's been exactly what you think it would be with him coming back. Yep. Yeah. Really good for three yeah. or four innings, and then he'll have a bad inning and give up three runs. And then he's out of the game, yeah. that kind of thing. Or start and sit in the game with a bad inning and then have three really good innings. So. He'll put it together, though. I'm I'm completely confident that dude will put it together. So he'll be one of the three. They're going to be in a great spot. I mean, barring any injuries, they're going to be in a great spot with the rotation, I think, and now with this deep bullpen. It's a a powerhouse team, man. They really don't have a big flaw at all. At all. Just got to stay healthy. They just got to stay healthy. 
But I think this series is going to be huge in L.A., though, just just because I do too. they're clearly the best two teams in baseball. It's four games, four games instead of three. It's going to be packed houses out there. It's going to feel totally like October, like an NLCS is what it's going to feel like. Yeah, I mean, you're getting a really, really good look at each other, which, I mean, I think it's nothing but a benefit just to – if anything, I mean, just just to know what you're going up against, because if I'd be shocked if these two teams don't wind up running into each other. Yeah, I mean, gonna have, crazy shit happens in the postseason, but and you're going to have Charlie. Are you going to have Strider and Freed pitching two of those games? The Braves have got set up for Colorado. They got Elder tonight against Austin Gomber. They got Charlie Morton going against Peter Lambert and. Tuesday, and then they got TBA against Rockies lefty Kyle Freeland, who was five and thirteen with a five zero ERA in uh, Wednesday in the series finale. So they're obviously going to have uh, Strider and Freed in two of the games at uh, in LA, and then Elder coming back. So, what that should be? I saw somebody Morton coming. Somebody commented earlier yeah. that this is Acuna's chance to you know go into Colorado is Acuna's chance to. Get going take over this MVP homers. race. And, yeah. Yeah. As long kind as he goes, doesn't go in there trying to hit homers, but he doesn't. He never – I don't think he ever goes up there trying to hit homers, so he doesn't have to. I think oh, he I just think, tries to hit the ball as hard as he can. Right. Doesn't I, care where it goes. I do think we'll see Matt Olson. That streak ends real quick, that 50 plate appearance yeah. without a homer. Yeah. He could get three yeah. or four in this series and be right back on track to, you know, to push 55 to 60. Yeah, push 60. Now, I don't know if he's going to get 60 anymore, but he can get 55. All right. Lots to talk about. I'll be back. Uh, the next one we'll do, uh, I'll be out in L.A., and we'll do one Thursday or Friday. Probably a room. Perfect. Thanks for all the comments. We look over and see them today, and then especially with the rooms. And uh, we appreciate all you guys uh, hanging in there with us and watching us and listening to us. All right. 755 is real. We are out. We are out.